Welcome to Bad Patient, Malpractice Makes Perfect. I'm Robin Donovan. And I'm Laura Beers. And we're two non-medical, non-experts taking a look at today's health news. Yeah, I think that's a very good explanation of us. (laughs) So, um, Laura, why don't you tell everyone really quickly how the podcast works? So, I scour the news for uh, websites or interesting things that I want to talk to you about. And then I give you the most vague thing that I can find to describe it. Uh, And then right before we do the podcast, I email you the links. So basically, we're just taking your off-the-cuff response to it because you know more about medical things than I do. Uh, So any prep time on your part is unfair (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, let's dive in. Uh, so this week's uh, keywords are kidney stones, vegan, marijuana, and sleep. Those clearly go together so well. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so our first article comes from simplemost.com. Uh, and it makes me very happy. Uh, it's And the title is, there's a roller coaster at, Walt- at Disney World that can help you pass kidney stones. <laughs> what? What is this story? And what is this website? I have never... What? It's make the most out of life is their catch catchphrase. And I would just like, I would just like to state for the record um, that that picture of the roller coaster is not at Walt Disney World. I don't know what roller coaster that is, but it's not oh. the roller coaster in in uh um Disney. In Disney. Yeah. So basically what it's saying is there's a ride at Walt Disney World in Florida called Big Thunder Mountain and it can help you pass a kidney stone according to uh, a professor from Michigan State University who did a paper and they did like uh some tests about whether or not it could help you. Some important things to know about it is that um <laughs> that you have to sit in the back seat of uh, Big Thunder Mountain. Um sitting in the front and sitting in the middle is not uh as accurate and they made a 3D model of a kidney and um the success rate in the back uh seat is um, 70% if you sit in the back versus 16% in the first few cars. So, mm. um, and so wait, it wait, wait, there are other roller coasters at Disney world, space mountain, ro- aerospace, rock and roller coasters. Those do not have the same effect because that has too much G forces. Okay. First of all, I want to point out that I was all wait, wait, wait. And there was no waiting that just occurred on your part. Absolutely. But- <laughs> I, I thought it was really important to share that roller coaster information with you. We get to a Disney story and you're just like pedal to the metal. Like, <laughs> full speed ahead. You're ready to do all the talking. You need to book your fast pass 30 days in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. 
And then okay, if, wait. when you request a seat, you can ask for the back seat if you want, if you need to pass a kidney stone. I'm just saying. Throwing it out there. So okay. some, there's some tips. All right. I'm going to ask my question now whether you stop talking or not. <laughs> <laughs> and my question is, have you been on this roller coaster? Yes. Multiple times. Many times. Many, 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 many times. I have not and passed have a kidney stone. have you sat in the bag? Um, typically I ask to sit in the front because it, it makes it feel like you're going a little bit faster. Um, but yeah, I think I've sat in the back of this roller coaster. Cause your husband has kidney stones, right? I mean, he currently has a kidney stone. Currently has one or, but I think he like told me he had had them as like a thing. Okay. I don't know. So I mean, did you guys try this? this? No, this came out after we came home. So. Oh. (laughs) Otherwise we totally Oh, it's only five days ago. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go back. I know. No, this is actually kind of cool. I mean, I don't know how legit the study is, but the idea that you could pass a kidney stone by riding a roller coaster seems like potentially big news because people are at times having laser surgery to have them removed, right? Yeah. So, like, one of the reasons why the professor did this test is because, like, it's like the urban myth that they've heard, like, like yeah. anecdotally people have said, no, like, no, I, I rode this roller coaster at Disney and it helped me pass the stone or whatever. Yeah. So, and he was he like went all mythbusters on it. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Um So well, the press release for the study that this article is about, which is from Michigan State that I just quickly clicked through to, says that 300,000 people per year go to an emergency room due to kidney stones. I wonder I wonder if they're saying individual people or 300,000 visits. The way it's written it sounds like individual people and the cost for treatment ranges from 5 to $10,000. So Laura, important question number 2, how much does it cost to go to Disney World? I mean, I mean if I'm going to go for just one day and I got to get a plane ticket, let's say my plane ticket's $400. Now, how uh, much is it to go to the park? It is uh like 100 and uh it's like a hundred to one hundred and twenty nine dollars for a single day pass for uh, Magic Kingdom, depending on what the season is, if it's peak season or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, significantly cheaper. It's significantly cheaper, but it's also not covered by your health insurance. I'm just, and I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, I feel like, like it should be. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still okay. You know that this is like a Robin pet peeve. So I'm on the page from MSU and I'm reading the press release and there is no link to the actual study. Where I know. is the study? Journal of American Osteopathic Association. Okay. This is going to take me forever. All right. Moral of the story, researchers, please like at least give us a little hint about where to find even if it's your behind, work. Even if it's behind a paywall. Yeah, because at least we could see the abstract and know a little bit more about it. Because when it comes to Disney and it comes to roller coasters, we want some science, y'all. <laughs> science. I mean, maybe you do, but I, I don't. <laughs> Laura's good. I mean, like you know, whether or not it's placebo effect or not, like I, I'm down. Uh, Let's. I don't. I don't think that's placebo effect. I mean, I could believe it's because it's he. Tested it I mean, on a synthetic kidney. The kidney's not thinking. It's it's not in a person. I'm just saying, I'm going to go ride 
Big Thunder Mountain, sit in the back seat and not have a kidney stone. And I'm going to say it's because I rode Big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I mean, oh whether that's true or not, that's what I'm going to say from now on. Every time I go to Disney World, I'm going to ride this ride in the back seat. And I'm going to have kidney stone free life. Hashtag kidney stone for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so it sounds like they took, and this is in the story as well, to be fair, they took their models on 20 rides on the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad roller coaster in Orlando. I mean, can I get on so this they, research team? Yeah, they, they analyzed <laughs> a, total, a total of 60 rides. So I think they're saying um, they did 20 rides for, like, testing front, center, and back seating positions, is what I'm guessing. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm not reading this whole thing. But we will tweet out a link because the whole study is available from the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association. Say that five times fast. American Osteopathic Association. (laughs) The weird thing is the study... (laughs) You, You did it. (laughs) <laughs> the study's from a year ago, and the story's from five days ago. It just got picked up. Anything, <laughs> I guess. Anything with Disney gets picked up again, I bet you. Yeah. The thing is, I wonder how applicable this really is to actual people. I mean, I get it. He's kind of having fun and testing something patients told him about. And it's, I think that's kind of cool, you know? And I like the idea of popularizing science because... Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing a great job with that. Like I tell people about really exciting research and they're like not excited. So get excited, people. But do you Ride know what I mean? He, yeah. Yeah. In some ways, he's starting with public demand or like he's starting with a question that came out of the public and he's researching it. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of fun and, and a cool way, to, cool way of doing things. But you have to wonder, okay, it shook the kidney stone free anecdotally for some people and it shook the kidney stone free in his like, 3d model but like how effective is it really so it'd be fun it'd be fun to see to see more yeah i mean i'm down i'm available for research hit me on look at this though (laughs) so laura to be fair listeners laura is willing to go to disney anytime anytime you want just get her on her mobile for research research Yes, if you would like to donate free tickets to Disney, we're on Twitter at the Bad Patient. Okay, so just reach out; we will be will be available to you. <laughs> so, uh, also fun fact: they tested 174 kidney stones of varying sizes, shapes, and weights. Yeah, so that means like there's somebody who spent their whole day like 3D printing little kidney stones or something. Yeah, I want to be that person. I don't. You can be that person. I would like to ride the ride. <laughs> man 70 nearly a 70 percent success rate well just give us the percent nearly 70 what was it 60 62 <laughs> <laughs> 40 <laughs> oh man 37 and, and they're saying it's not every roller coaster just big thunder mountain so. yeah because it's a it's about so like uh another because it has to have quick turns and but not go upside down because that the g forces would just pin the kidney stone in place whereas the the quick turns and the sudden drops help move it along ladies and gentlemen she may not be a medical expert but she certainly is a disney roller coaster expert i'm just saying (laughs) 
It's it's the Nailed wildest it. ride here out in the wilderness. I mean, okay, how would you say objectively how fun is that roller coaster compared to other rides at the park? I mean, I feel like let's let's get some data here. I mean, it's a it's a it's a ten out of ten in my opinion. However, Magic Kingdom it doesn't have or Disney World in general doesn't have like a whole bunch of roller coasters that's universal. So like uh yeah. It's not a very high bar, but it's also, it's a, it's a fun roller coaster and, you know, it's a kiddie roller coaster. It doesn't go upside down. You know, you just have a lap bar, but, uh, Anthony and I like, me and my husband like to ride it. Uh, we rode it on our honeymoon and it, and my husband had his sunglasses in his pocket and it broke his sunglasses. So. Oh. So, okay. It does all sorts of things. Yeah. Wait, is this the roller coaster that you made the calendar on? No. That oh. was not a roller coaster. That was uh, Buzz Lightyear uh, Space Ranger. Okay, right? so uh, you tell me. Yeah. Okay. Was- so, uh, wonky backstory. Uh, Laura, her husband, and Anthony and I are friends. I mean, obviously. And Spoilers. And, uh, spo- spoilers, we know each other. And... Lauren Anthony as a Christmas present, I think, yep. last year, made me a month-by-month calendar of them riding this exact same ride at Disney wearing themed outfits, which is kind of amazing because this means, like, at some point on a hot, humid day in Orlando in July, they were the people wearing, like, funky Halloween costumes or, like, carrying little pumpkins or, like, whatever it was themed by each month of the year, a calendar which I still own, so... There you go. That's how many times they go to Disney. I hope you own it. It's still current. (laughs) We still have 10 more weeks left. Yeah. We got two more pictures to go through, man. Oh, my gosh. I love it. So Anthony and I talked about his kidney stones earlier, Laura, and you didn't see it on the group text because you were so, so, so busy. Okay. Okay. Um, but I asked him, because sometimes I do reach out to people if we have topics that are, that I'm friends with people that it would impact. And I just say like, hey, what's interesting to you about this? Because um, I know that sometimes what's interesting to me is maybe like <laughs> too nerdy. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like make it fun for everyone here. Um, Thanks, and Robin. He was, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> so... It's. He said that he wanted people to know that, one, a kidney stone is not always, like, horrifically painful. So it, I guess it depends. I mean, he didn't say this, but I think it depends on, on size. And in this story, they only tested kidney stones, I think, up to four millimeters. In, mm-hmm. I'm not looking at it anymore, but, yeah. Kidney stones, no, no longer than four millimeters. I think they mean uh, diameter. But, I don't know. You know, because, like, it's going to be, like, a 3D, like, a stone is, yes. like, a, almost like a sphere or, like, a little blob. So, anyway, I think it really depends on the size, whether or not you're able to pass it and how painful it is. And he also objected, and I think this is something we could discuss, to the idea that, like, people always compare the pain of kidney stones to the pain of childbirth. And, like, obviously, Anthony is never going to experience the pain of childbirth and finds this model, like, annoying and unhelpful. So, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, I feel like childbirth is a, a unique situation and, uh, passing a stone, like, while similar in some ways, 
is decidedly different. I don't, I don't really yeah. like that analogy. I mean, I think it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's, I, sex- you know, it's from, sexist, right? In like, a way. Yeah, like, oh, this is worse pain than childbirth. Like, I feel like in my head, it's men who say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, okay, so I looked into this because I wanted to figure out if there was a way to tell or like if anyone had, you know, I looked into it a little bit. And first of all, I I don't know, like, is it sexist to say it's more painful than childbirth? Maybe if you're saying it to a guy, or maybe it's just irrelevant at that point. But I, I so I found like an actual urology practice that had a blog post about it. And I was like, oh, thank God, like, maybe they'll have some information. They literally said, we asked one of our female patients who had recently had a child. And, you know, and she said that they were. Um, so I think it's just fundamentally, it, I guess they're trying to say that it's very painful. Um, so then I looked on Reddit, j- just, I don't know, there was someone, there was a man who wrote about it in, I would say that this would be the most sexist post on Reddit, except for I think that Reddit is like the deep black hole of the earth sometimes in terms of like people behaving badly. But this guy basically was trashing women for always complaining about menstrual pain and childbirth pain. And um, I just want to read you one sentence from what I think might be like the cruelest thing I have read in like in like a month. Um, and I I don't even I don't even know. Here, okay, here's a good sentence. All this gloating because quote oh my period oh my pregnancy end quote is just a small victory that we men allow women to have so that they have something to feel good about. But I say no. I say no. That's a real thing. I know. So, I mean, I shouldn't even give this credence by, like, reading it on our show. But I just, I was kind of hoping to talk about this in a, like, you know, this is, like, a weird thing to say to a guy. And, uh, and then this just stopped my whole thinking pattern. And I was like, what in the actual world? Are you, what? It's a small victory that they let us have, Laura. No, yeah, well, thank you. You can keep your fucking victory. <laughs> asshole. That being said, that being said, if you know a guy and he has a kidney stone, do not say, you know, I heard that that's more painful than childbirth. It's going to make him unhappy and it's not going to help him. So don't do it. Yeah. Don't, don't be do a dick. Don't be a Also, douche. also hurt people hurt people. So be kind out there, folks. Right. It's just, sure. just not necessary. Except for that, just not necessary. <laughs> except for that guy. He can he can go take his victory and elsewhere. I mean, is he going to let us have our podcast, do you think? I don't know. This guy? He, Maybe? Possibly. Don't ask. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything else for this article? Um, I'm good. Okay. So our next article comes from the Washington Post, and it is in Colorado, opioids death fall following marijuana legalization so what this is interesting about is it's looking at um new research that was published in the american journal for public health and it's looking at the like a reversal in the trend of opioids death which have fallen in um more than six percent in the following two years after legalization of recreational cannabis um Mm -hmm. And so, wow. 
Wow. There have been other stories or other studies looking at medical marijuana legalization, but this is looking at recreational. Um, and I just yeah. thought that was interesting because you live in Oregon, which has legalized um, marijuana. Um, yeah. And let me like contextualize legalized marijuana in Oregon for you, because I know like for me moving out here, it was kind of hard to concept like to to really have a picture of what it would be like. But do you know how, like, in Ohio, if there's a snow day, like, people do stuff, right? They, like, run outside and they play and uh, who knows, like, mm-hmm. they eat all the food in their fridge or whatever. You know, there's, like, whatever. So same kind of deal here. But we had, we had like, a snow week last year because it never snows here. And it snowed, like, a foot in about a day. And mm-hmm. we have no plows and no salt. And so the roads were, like, impassable. And everyone was stuck home. And so I walked to the grocery store because, you know, like... That's what you had to do. That's what we had to do. And it seriously just smelled like pot all the way down one street, all the way up the next street. It was just (laughs) like... I was like, is anyone not high right now? So, yes. I am. Yeah. That's a good good description of it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, some places run out of, like, water and, like, what are, what else milk, do they run out of? Milk bread. Yeah, milk, bread, and, like, toilet paper. They say in Oregon it's uh, coffee and pot. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So what I like about this article is that it talks about the different corrections that they had to make. Um, so during this this time period, Colorado made a prescription drug monitoring program. And it happened okay. during the study, so they try to account for that. Um, and it's, it's pointing out, because it's in the, uh, public health, it's talking about how policymakers can use this because, you know, the opioid epidemic is, um, out of control and, ep- um, an epidemic, you know, um, yeah. just like another, another way that, uh, pot can make it better. So, like, even when given the choice between pot and opioids, people chose um, pot. Opioids. Or, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Ah! <laughs> people chose pot over the prescription medication. Yeah, I can totally see this happening because I, I think that the medical marijuana cards were difficult to get or maybe not difficult but you had to pay to get them because you had to pay for a doctor's appointment whereas Mm -hmm. the recreational you could just walk in so i think lowering the barrier to access encourages more people to use it and we say like we're calling it quote unquote recreational use but um just from like talking to people around here i know a lot of people that use edibles or use other things for various medical ailments and i think we still have and I, I don't know, I might be wrong about this, but I think that we still have, like, medical marijuana clinics and cards. But it's almost like, well, why would you do that? Unless you think they have a strain that's really helpful for you or something. There's so many dispensaries here that there's almost not not a reason. So I think recreational, people think of, like, people are just getting high. But I would be so willing to bet that there's a lot of people who used to have a medical card who are like, oh, well, forget that, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if the medical cards, like, expire. Okay, if you are a former medical marijuana card holder in any legalized state, let us know if your card expires by tweeting us at the bad patient. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. 
I love, and I love that it's kind of like people self-regulating, people choosing to use something, you know, that like they say in this article, there's no, there's no amount of marijuana that we, that can cause a fatal overdose. Is that what they, yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm phrasing that badly. Um, but it would be very, yeah, very difficult to overdose on pot. Yes. And there's been so many questions about legalization. So I was kind of looking into this, you know, obviously not knowing exactly what we were going to talk about. Yeah. Although it feels like fun, (laughs) fun fact, I ran across the roller coaster kidney stone story and made like a note to tell you about it later. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at kidney stones because I was like, she's never going to pick this, but she would love this story. Why did I? (laughs) So, so there's like a number of things that are problematic about, about, um, medical marijuana and like legalized marijuana, even, even recreational that I found that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, one, one was like the, the lack of evidence for some of the conditions that it's used to treat. I, I think, you know, we always say like, it's anecdotal, it's anecdotal. There seem to be a heck of a lot of anecdotes about marijuana. And it seems like, I didn't find research. The research I found was a couple years old, so maybe more information is out. But there was evidence supporting um, effective use of marijuana for nausea and vomiting related to um, chemotherapy, so people with cancer, um, specific pain syndromes, um, and a symptom of multiple sclerosis, that's uh, spasticity. So... Um, I found that in a really great piece from Medscape that we will tweet out after the the show. And Medscape is just like a medical news website. It's a little more geared toward medical people. Um, but they were also saying, so some of these issues are, you know, there's the, there's the lack of, of evidence and some of the things that we're using it for haven't been tested yet. So that, you know, that bothers some people. Um, there's conflicting state and federal regulations. So technically marijuana is federally illegal and legal in some states. So because like the DEA is federal, um, I think there's, there's some like gray area there. Like who are the prescribers like beholden to? Mm -hmm. Um, There's some risk of psychosis, I guess, with marijuana, which I had somewhat heard about. I don't know what the real, you know, like how common that is and like mood disturbances. And then something that I think increased legalization would help is inaccurate labeling of marijuana products, meaning that they may not contain exactly what is listed, like the dosage may be off. Um, And the other cool thing and I really felt like I learned a lot looking looking into this. Was that? <laughs> I mean, good for you, know. Robin. <laughs> so I'm gonna use that knowledge when I come visit you. <laughs> um, marijuana is apparently made up of more than 400 compounds, including 70 like different possible cannabinoids, and and I think that we tend to think of marijuana as one thing, but um, I actually recruited a speaker for for a, a retail design conference once who was a it was a woman who did um dispensary design and a and a guy who owned a bunch of dispensaries and he was the first person who ever told me about that and I think he's out in Albuquerque but he told me that 
people he worked with would keep a diary of the strains that they had tried and what was in them. And then they would say, like, I tried this one. I took this amount. I felt this way. And based on what conditions they had and how they felt, he um, said he was able to kind of, like, steer them toward different things. So it would be kind of a, a, a test and error, like a trial and error process. Which was just fascinating to me because I just thought, oh, like, you're either using pot or you're not, like, on, off, black, white. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it's just fascinating. And it would certainly be a boon to many people, I think, if, if there were to be a safer uh, pain-relieving or nausea-relieving substance. Um, and it's just so interesting because we haven't had legalization for that long. And there's so many things that we don't know. I mean, people have concerns about children and the edible candy and poisoning. People have concerns about um, marijuana and driving. People have concerns about like drug-free workplaces. And what would it mean for like someone who drives cranes to potentially be using, um, you know, some form of marijuana because like it stays in your system longer. So how are we going to test you know, like, when can you use it? How many hours before you're operating heavy equipment? Or or is it, like, not at all? Or, like, what's the safety? There's just so many of these issues that we don't have all the information yet, but, like, we're just starting to figure it out. So I'm just really – this is a story that I, I've got an eye on for sure. Cool. You ready for the next article? Yeah, go for it. So the next one comes from uh, the New York Times, and it's called Good Vegan, Bad Vegan. And so what it is is kind of something that we've touched on before is just because it's natural doesn't mean that it's healthy. Um, and just like looking at uh, how um, the vegan diet doesn't necessarily mean that it is the most healthy diet, um, removing all, you know, processed uh, uh, animal 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 products products from your um from your diet and so it it followed uh it's basically about a very large recent study published by the journal of american college of cardiology um it's talking about how they followed over 200,000 health professionals and over 20 years, they were all free of chronic disease and followed them for two decades. And they submitted information about their dietary patterns every two years. So it's like a Mm. long, long study. And so it wasn't necessarily looking at, um, like whether or not they had animal products in their, uh, in their diet, but how they use the plants within their, their diet. And I just thought mm. it was really interesting. Um, cause I'm, I'm not vegan. Um, nor am I, uh, but it's, it's just, there are a lot of things that you can do, uh, in order to be vegan, but it's not always necessarily the most healthy. So like a lot of people will compensate you know, with eating a lot of X or a lot of Y, and that's not necessarily good for you either, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, you know, so there's a ton of vegans in Portland, and um, I'm gluten-free. And so in the process of being kind of the party planner in my group of friends, I've had an opportunity to try a lot of gluten-free vegan recipes, which, like, talk about restrictive. But actually, um, I've had a lot of fun with it, just experimenting and trying new things. And... I was, I was kind of, you know, chatting with some friends about this and, and, you know, 
a lot of questions came up for us that I think the study is starting to address. Um, you know, what are the health benefits? How do you do it well? What's the impact of not of doing of being a vegan, but perhaps not doing it skillfully? And then the other thing that we came up with was, is it healthier to be like a vegetarian or a vegan? Or you know, that was something I was looking into. So, um, I think one of the things I mentioned here that I also found when I was digging around was that you don't have to be. 100% anything in order to gain some of the health benefits. So that's one side. And on the other side, you can be 100% vegetarian or 100% vegan and not get any of the health benefits if you are eating an unbalanced unbalanced diet with a lot of processed foods. So you could be a vegetarian and not eat a single vegetable, right? Like if you just, right. I don't know, you, you could eat cookies all the time or like you can't drink milk, but um, you know. So there's a way there's a way of doing it well, um, but it's surprisingly in the in the research mode. It's apparently difficult to compare vegetarian and vegan diets because vegan is is pretty specific, but vegetarian there's like so many different types of vegetarianism that there's been some some difficulty in like truly comparing. Like you would have to say compare um, lacto ovo vegetarians to, What's that to mean? vegans. It means that you would consume milk products and eat eggs, so lacto milk ovo egg. Okay. Because some vegetarians like will will do that or not. So, do you know any? Do you know a lot of vegetarians? No. I mean, I'm you from... knew me when I was a vegetarian. I mean, yeah. That didn't end well, though, for me. Yeah, I mean, I I live in the Midwest. Uh, we're still a lot of meat and potatoes kind of people. Yeah, although I think there's more and more of it, and and yeah, surely I've started seeing vegans everywhere because now I know a lot of more people who are, who are. But um, do you know the nutrient that vegetarian and vegan diets often are missing? Is it iron? Well, um, it can be. But uh, specifically vitamin B12, it's something okay. that, um, I don't know what the deal is like, Let's see if I have a note about it somewhere. So you could say iron is is related to B12 in that like B12 is per the Mayo Clinic uh, necessary to produce red blood cells and prevent anemia. But it's found really almost uh, exclusively in foods that come from animals. So it can be kind of hard to get enough B12, particularly in a, in a vegan diet. Um, and it can also be hard to, to, I think, test for the deficiency. So, and I'll just read this little quote from the Mayo Clinic because, again, we're not experts, but I found this interesting. It said, the vegan diet is rich in a vitamin called folate, which may mask the deficiency in B12 until severe problems occur. So they actually recommended that vegans uh, supplement with that. Of course, we cannot give you any advice, but I found the Mayo Clinic's um, articles very useful. Um and while we're getting into resources, there was two other articles I just wanted to quickly mention um, Time Magazine did an article called Is a Vegan Diet Better? And I thought that was hugely useful. And they they found that um, the, same, the same problem with B12 
Um, they had cited a study that found 80% of vegans who don't supplement with B12 were deficient. And like the delicious irony of, or not delicious, I should, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with it. The delicious irony of this is that there is, there's some, there's some evidence showing decreased risk of cardiovascular disease in people who eat diets that are heavier in plant-based foods. But B12 deficiencies can increase the risk of heart disease. So, are you, like, are you putting this together? Yeah. So one <laughs> can cancel out the other, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, my kind of, like, unexpert take was that it's probably better overall to be a vegan or to be a vegetarian, you know, and to get the heavier plant-based diet. I shouldn't say heavier. <laughs> to have a larger concentration of plants in your diet, but it's also easier to be nutrient deficient on those diets because it's like the more you restrict the types of food that you can eat, the harder it is to get all the nutrients that you need. So while it's entirely and completely possible to get everything you need, you have to be more careful. And like we're all kind of busy and perhaps even lazy on on some levels and we have a lot going on. And I think the more hurdles you put between us and ability to balance things like the more difficult it is the fewer people are going to be able to do it so it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing anyway i feel like i've i veered like so far away from the article (laughs) no it was good i liked it um would you ever would you ever consider being a vegan no why not because i like I like food. Okay. So for you, it's like a taste issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't like plants that much. Maybe, Or maybe I just I just really love plants, and I just want them to live in their natural habitat away from my plate. <laughs> You're trying to protect plants from the terrorism <laughs> that vegetarians... From my, <laughs> from my tummy. <laughs> you're trying to keep the plants alive you know no, actually if you're interested I, in that if if i did do a vegan or a vegetarian diet i would do it poorly and i know that and so i will just continue to eat poorly uh with 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 me <laughs> so you're going for nutrient density i mean there's there's actually i, I think that's i think that's valid if you're saying like hey i know i'm not going to spend the time with it yeah 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 it's just it's just not not who i am not the type of eater I am. On the flip side, I left a comment for someone on Instagram today asking them if they could recommend a tool to track your macronutrients because I think <laughs> you're such a nerd. I love you. <laughs> I know. And I told them like, hey, I tried if it fits your macros, but I felt like that was really, I don't know, it, it just was too much detail for me. Like, do you have anything else you could recommend? So if you guys want to recommend some sort of micro, macro, sorry, macronutrient tracking uh at the bad patient and you can also if you are adding information to our discussions you can feel free to use the bad expert hashtag um we're always in for more info and if you want laura to be a vegan you can also bad expert it i'm i'm not gonna be a vegan because i'm gluten-free and there is there is just a limit folks there's a limit of what you can limit yeah. I mean, honestly, there's a really great gluten-free vegan bakery in Portland called Petunias, and they made me the most divine slice of birthday cake ever this year. 
but they're like a diamond in the rough, you know? And I just think for me, I tend to run iron deficient. And so even being a vegetarian, um, ended up being somewhat problematic. I could possibly still do it if I was willing to supplement, but you know, there's a, for me, it's, I suppose there's a convenience aspect and a, and a health aspect. I love the idea of, of being a vegan in terms of, you know, saving animal lives, like being more humane, the environmental benefits. But alas, I ate spaghetti and meatballs for lunch today. So you rebel child. Well, I mean, it wasn't rice. It was rice pasta. I mean, I'm just, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, ground beef is like an excellent, excellent source of absorbable iron. I think it's called heme iron. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe also B12. If you know if ground beef has iron, is this getting annoying? (laughs) Bad expert. (laughs) Jesus, just tweet us something for God's sake. We're tired of telling you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like I'm I was a little deficient a while ago and so I've been careful to to add this stuff. So, Good. this story, I would say, yeah. Check it out. It's some of it's kind of you know, there's a paragraph that starts, "Please understand," you know, but it it links to the studies, which I think appear worth checking out. And I think that we're going to see more and more people talking about these diets. It started off, I think, as like weight loss and, you know, just overall health. But I think we're going to start seeing more research about these diets and cancer risk along with heart disease, because I think cancer is kind of the, the looming health issue. Like heart disease There's some controversy about, like, is it really caused by high levels of saturated fat or could it be high levels of processed carbohydrates and things like sugar, you know, that are causing inflammation and causing all sorts of problems. But there's there's a lot of questions still about how people get cancer and how much of it is environmental and and this and that. And um, so the idea that your diet could influence your your cancer risk, I think, will find a lot of interest among among the general public who perhaps do not have a lot of interest about like hearing yet again that they just need to exercise five days a week for whatever the recommendation is now. Do you know what the recommendation is now? No, but I definitely don't do it. I want to say it's like five days a week for half an hour or something. But anyway. Sounds like a lot of work. Well, anyway, let's get moving on to the next story because I have to go to yoga tonight. All right. So, Do you like that humble brag? That was like the humblest of humble brags ever. All right. Well, are you ready for my humble brag? Um, Mm -hmm. As a sustaining member, uh, our next article comes from NPR.org. You're welcome. Supporting the public radio. Way to get it there. And the article title is Sleep Scientist Warns Against Walking Through Life in an Underslept State. So last week you talked about, yeah, you talked about jet lag and uh, you made a request for um, more paragraphs with uh, longer sentences (laughs) to me. So. Here's a 38-minute <laughs> conversation with Terry Gross that you can listen to at your own Oh, my convenience. God. I will do it. And then there's the highlights from it. And so, basically, it's talking about how sleep is not a bank. So, like, if you – it's recommended that you sleep eight hours a day. And if you don't sleep eight hours a day, you can't just sleep ten hours the next day and call it no. even. That's not how no. it works. There's not a debit credit. And it's, it's talking about the dangers of being uh, – under under um 
overly tired because and then i also thought it was interesting because it also talked about like sleep sleep pills also aren't the same thing as natural sleep because it's sedation versus um like rem sleep rem sleep and saying how like those things don't help either so i think we knew that though right i mean yeah but i just think it's like interesting like to point out like it's not just like how you sleep or how much you're sleeping, but also, like, how you're sleeping. And, fun fact, it also says that in As We Age, it's not that you don't need less sleep. Um, yeah. That's not how the brain works. So Your body know, just won't do it. Yeah, so you need to do it. And it talked about, like, if you're not able to sleep in your bed, what you should do is get up out of the room and go sit in another room so that way your brain doesn't associate your bed yeah. with awakeness. Which so that is-, is actually called sleep hygiene. Like all the habits that promote healthy, restful sleep fall under this sleep hygiene category, which include that and like not staring at screens right before bed, especially if you don't have like something that alters the color temperature of the device, meaning making it a more orange light as opposed to like a blue light or like if you wake up, like you said, go to another room sleep hygiene google it yeah i just thought you would enjoy uh this article with Terry okay Mist. you thought i would enjoy this article but do you like know how how free like sleep stresses me out and i'm not like i'm a champion sleeper like i'm no sleep issues but i just it's the not, idea it's of not it, my like, fault. you talked about jet lag last uh, week so this is my I connection know. i know i mean i think it just it's kind of anxiety provoking for me because to, to hear something like this, because I want to believe that even if I can't get enough sleep tonight and tomorrow or this week or this month, that I can like make it up later. And I know that's a silly way to think about it. Cause like, are we really ever going to make it up? Probably not. But yeah, the whole concept that like it's gone and you can never get it back. I just like, ah, it freaks me out, man. It freaks me out. You're welcome. Okay. To, Counter this point, I have a much older article that I would like to share with you that I have found under duress. It's from Scientific American. It's called, Can You Catch Up on Lost Sleep? And they said actually that you could, but that it might take months. And I don't really, they're kind of hedging a little bit. So it says, earn back that lost sleep and follow the dictates of your innate sleep needs. You'll feel better. When you put away sleep debt, you become superhuman. That's a quote. So, I don't know. I mean... More research is needed. uh, All research leads to more research is needed. The other thing that freaks me out is that... Okay, two things freaking me out. One, the possibility that we can't make up the sleep. Two, wait, I totally forgot about it. How can I be freaked out about it and then forget about it? (laughs) <laughs> oh oh <laughs> two, two being two being the possibility that say that your body needs sleep but it's not going to let you have it like so maybe you're like really tired but you're not 18 anymore and so your body's like nope we're just gonna sleep eight hours and 15 minutes and wake up even though maybe you have like a 12 hour span where you could be sleeping like it's just gonna wake you up at your normal time like that seems treacherous and like kind of mean yeah, body, get with the program. I know, just stay asleep already. We're going to die young if you don't stop this nonsense. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I just thought, uh, that was a good connection to your latest medical fas- fascination. Well, I'm freaked out. And also, here's another quote from the Scientific American <laughs> that, that I think you'll have a reaction to. A 2003 study in the journal Sleep found that the more tired we get, the less tired we feel. Translate that. Just explain that. Like, what does that mean to you? That your body adapts to the lack of sleep, right? Yeah. But even though your body feels okay, it doesn't mean that it's not having negative effects on your Oh, like cumulatively. Yeah. Okay. But I want to say there's a point, say say you're perfectly rested and then you, like, say you're you're getting eight hours of sleep a night. Like, you are superwoman. And then, and then we start, like, only letting you have six hours of sleep a night. Initially, you're going to feel more tired or you're going to... The more tired we get, the less tired we feel. Yeah, you're going to feel more tired initially, but maybe over time, you'll like adjust. as it, you'll adjust. You'll, you'll adjust, but you're like killing yourself slowly. Yeah. Wait, is that a song? No, that's killing me softly. Yeah. Wait. Nice try. Okay. <laughs> uh. <sighs> All right. So what is your current medical fascination, Robin? How can I be expected to come up with a current fascination when I like just I, I can't I'm stuck on, I'm stuck on sleep still. I want okay. more information about making up my sleep debt and I'm not going to stop until I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Walking through life in an underslept state. Listen, sleep scientists, we're doing the best we can, okay? It's been a long day. <laughs> Go to bed then. No, I have to go to yoga because <laughs> someone else told me I have to get a certain amount of 30 minutes of exercise five times a week. You know, there's just, there's a lot of boxes to put checks in. For sure. Well, I think that's enough bad patienting for me for one day. All right. <laughs> So before we let you go, we want to take a moment to give a special thank you to the composer of our theme song, Evan Schaefer. You can listen to his music on soundcloud.com slash Evan Schaefer, E-V-A-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Thanks, Evan. You can listen to our podcast on thebadpatient.com. We hope you'll share it with your friends and you can uh, tweet us at thebadpatient. Um, I also wanted to let you know that Laura and her husband, Anthony, do several other podcasts, but one that I guest star on in a coming episode, and it's called The Delta Chronicles. So, Laura, tell us where we can hear that podcast if people want to hear us talking about something totally different. Uh, so you can find it at uh, deltachronicles.com or wherever your podcasts are uh, found. All right. So until next time, we are bad patients. Malpractice makes perfect. <laughs>